Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, personal growth and development, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. Glad to have you taking the time to listen into the podcast today. I hope all of you are having a happy, productive, successful week. This time of year is always an exciting time in the university. We got a new semester, new students, new start. So even if you're not in college right now, but just live in life, I hope you push to being a better version of yourself in whatever way you can for the remainder of 2021. I do need to give credit before I get going today to a Mr. Carl Truman. He wrote a simply outstanding article. I read it on in an online journal called Public Discourse, and it's titled The Rise of Psychological Man. And you can Google it and, you, and you'll find him. I'd highly recommend having a look at it as it really gave me pause to stop and think about the state of affairs here in America where it seems far too often we're committing almost national suicide, culturally, spiritually, politically. Heck, you can pick whatever poison you want. But why are we doing this? But before I go too, too far, I just want to give proper context. I'm, I'm honoring the words of Mr. Truman and the psychologists and the philosophers that I studied to put this podcast together in calling it the psychological man. Although it applies equally to men or women identically, I'm maintaining I'm maintaining the exact gender pronouns that were utilized by the writers I studied in creating the podcast. I know most people who listen to this podcast are not going to take offense because they would tend not to listen to this podcast in general, but hey, just so you know, I'm not making any political uh, sexual identity statements, but I'm following verbatim the authors of the works I'm referencing. Uh, thus ends the gender pronoun explanation portion of this podcast, so back to it. People change. We know this. If people change, families then ultimately can change. And if families change, so can communities, and then states, and then countries, so on and so forth. Sometimes we change for the better, and other times, we change for the worse. The emergence of this, this psychological man, as Truman talks about in his article, may give us reason as to why things seem to be going the wrong way in America. So let's talk about it. I'm going to cut right to the chase and the main premise of the article, the psychological man. The main point is this. Human flourishing is found primarily in an inner sense of well-being. That authenticity is found by being able to act outwardly as one feels inwardly. And that who we are is largely a matter of personal choice, not external imposition. They've become common thoughts that lie at the heart of many of society's ills. So that's that's the main point, but we have to unpack that because that's it's kind of hard to catch it on, on first glance or the first time you hear it. So let's unpack it. Is it true today that people 
believe to be in their to to become their best self to become the ultimate level of success in their life that they have to put secondary everyone and everything except their own personal well-being the actions of the majority of people seem to point that this is true there seems to be in society today this idea that our personal choices that we make for ourselves is now the accepted de facto way to live, no matter what. The chorus of voices on social media would say, of course this is the way we should all live. You must do you at all costs. Society, family, friends, be damned. I need to do what I want to do. Sure, on the one hand, Pursuing our goals and ambitions may be good and valuable, and and they are a sign of freedom. But as with most things, when we take this to an extreme, very bad things can happen. You can have whatever opinion you may want about Simone Biles, the Olympic gymnast who chose to pull out of the Olympic Games due to personal interest to quote-unquote take care of herself first. Now, I don't know her. I don't know the situation. But in general, if we're going to be honest and we're going to reflect on this openly, in the past, when a member of a sports team, it was always considered noble, virtuous, almost heroic to defer self-interest, even risk damage to an existing injury to show up and fight for the team. Because the cause of the team was bigger than the individual's pain. Simone Biles was praised for quitting by most of the media. Anyway, you slice it. She quit. She did. I can't know her personal situation. But quitting was roundly praised in most media circles as brave, strong, courageous. Whereas in prior generations... The brave, strong, courageous thing would have been to defer the self, show up, and fight with the team even though you didn't feel like it internally. This example shows a shifting tide. I think before we go any further, we need to define the self because what are because until we get this, the rest becomes a bit hard to follow. Knowing the self is important. You know I've been speaking on this topic lately, if you listen to other podcasts, as recently I produced one titled Know Thyself. But let's define it here as, I guess we can say, the way we imagine our purpose in life, what makes us tick, what makes us happy, where our freedom consists. We, we generally think of, our, of ourselves in terms of our inner convictions, our feelings, We then interpret the purpose and meaning of our lives in line with our inner convictions, uh, the things we see, for example, happiness in terms of that inner sense of psychological well-being. It's not that complicated. This would be how we tend to consider ourselves in the modern context we live today. Notice that that definition of the self focuses exclusively on our own inner thoughts and feelings and emotions and convictions. Yet this isn't how society 
has primarily positioned an understanding of the self in the past. But we're in a new age now, a postmodern age. But if we go back through the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, even modernism through the 1950s, our view of the self was different in many ways. In earlier ages, personal meaning was something discovered by individuals, get this, through being educated in how to locate themselves within established external structures, such as your family, your church, or your nation. It wasn't that the inner self was completely ignored, but it was not the primary driver of how you saw yourself for a very large segment of society. In the traditional view, meaning and purpose for living often was seen in raising and caring for family. Religion was of a much higher importance in shaping the actions and feelings of society. And pride and love, dedication to nation were extremely majority were extremely important for the majority of society. This isn't necessarily true anymore in vast swaths of the globe in the United States. And we can see this in the actions and the statistics that are starting to show up. Millennials and Gen Z are marrying, if at all, much later. And if they have kids at all, it's happening much later in life. Religious affiliation and church attendance continues on a near death spiral. And pride in nature, in, in our nation, in the country has been eroded dramatically. We see this all the time with flag burning, identity politics, kneeling for the national anthem as a sign of protest, destruction of iconic landmarks or sculptures uh, or monuments of the nation. We could go on and on about how traditional institutions like family, religion, love of country are losing ground to a nearly obsessed, arguably narcissistic, self-focused view of what's important in life. So, the new psychological man views things like family, church, nation, or other institutions as a hindrance to becoming your authentic self. Not a part of shaping who you are. Don't let that significance be lost on you as you wonder how and why things like critical race theory, many of the riots or the degendering of society happen, well, much can be traced to the perceptions of people on what is or is not living the quote-unquote authentic self. The, the ground has shifted underneath us. We, we can see the emergence of psychological man manifested most radically, though, in the claim that one, that a, that a person can have a woman's body and yet still be really a man, or vice versa, that a man can be a fully formed male, and yet he can claim that he really is actually a female. Now, we know there's clear science on this. There's an XY chromosome marking for a male. This is objective reality. There's also an XX chromosome for females. The very facts of human biology are being contested. And yes, there are deformities, there are abnormalities. But if we take the overwhelming majority, biologically speaking, you we are man or woman. Instead, what's happened is a person's psychological conviction is becoming the true foundation of identity to which outward biological reality just has to give up or yield.
But I don't want my talk to get too small and extreme and focus just on transgenderism. As it can become too easy to just dismiss the change in perception in the postmodern mind and just trick us into believing ah, that the, all this radical shift that I'm talking about right now is, is nothing but for a small marginal minority because the issue is actually much bigger. The sexual identity politics is but one of the, the little outcroppings of this very profound psychological change that we're seeing in society. The idea that people have the right and obligation to pursue only what they want or else there is no way to achieve an inner sense of well-being is a very dangerous place for civilization to go. It's interesting to look back to jobs and job satisfaction in prior generations. You know, there was a period of time where it would not be uncommon to ask, say, a factory worker, for example, about job satisfaction. And you'd get a statement back, something to the effect of, yes, I'm satisfied with my job because my job allows me to put food on my family's table, shoes on my children's feet, and hopefully someday allow them to be better than I was when I was growing up. See, this type of response is striking precisely because it's so outwardly directed. Satisfaction came from giving to other people. It was more common for people's feelings of satisfaction being, being derived from or coming from what a person did for other people. Many still have this mindset today. It, it isn't like it has disappeared completely. But working hard for the benefit of others, whether it would be family, community, or whatever external thing, is becoming less and less common. If I'm to be honest, if you ask me the same question about job satisfaction right now today, my answer would be that I find my work satisfying because I enjoy teaching. It makes me feel good to stand in front of a class and talk about interesting ideas. When orchestrating and leading a good talk and discussion, it almost gives me a, a high. The difference is clear. My notion of satisfaction I get from my job is an inward one. It's directed towards me. It has less to do with, with my impact on external things and more to do with my own immediate feelings than with the impact that it may have on other external things like putting food on my table. Of course, I like and I need the money to bring to the household for housing and food, etc., etc. But the truth is, my occupation today is a choice I make because I love to do it. I feel blessed that I get to do what I love to do. This is a fact. So I can, I'm not casting any stones here. There are many, many ways I could personally make more money I've had those jobs and I made a lot more money than I do, but still my inner drive leads me to teach. Nobody is immune to this inner drive movement. Life is easier in 2021, way easier than say the barely scraping by in the 17, 18, even 1900s. So the shift towards an inner focus, since external reality of putting a, a roof over your head and food on the table in the United States of America. It really isn't a problem for almost all the nations. So it would seem natural that we would move towards a more inner focus.
But how in the world did this shift from an external view of serving family, uh, of paying attention to God, loving country, get turned upside down and get us to where we're at in 2021? Well, I don't want to go super academic here, but there were major developments that started as early as the 18th century, and they slowly built to where we are today. And here's just a laundry list. There was a philosopher, Hegel. He put human consciousness at the center of all thought. Karl Marx made economics the demon of control, uh, not an opportunity for those at the lowest class to reach a higher status, but laid the groundwork for distrust in institutions. Darwin's theory of evolution undermined the notion of human exceptionalism, uh, basically by focusing on the differences, the difference between human beings and other forms of, of life. Nietzsche, a philosopher, declared that neither the claims to knowledge nor the judgments of right or wrong could have any true authoritative status in a world because God was dead. God was consciously removed from any active role in the picture of the universe. Freud made human flourishing in its ideal form identical with sexual satisfaction. It also, and most significantly, made sex a matter of identity and not primarily an activity. After Freud, sex is something you are, not me. It's something that you are. It's not just something you do and act. So Freud, I'm going to pause on Freud for a minute because so much of his philosophy has been proven just completely debunked. But some of his ideas continue to live on. So Freud famously argued that civilization or culture was the result of a trade-off between individual sexual desire and the demands of communal living and social perspective. And here's, here's the kicker. To put it real simply, human beings curb their, their darkest, their deepest instincts in order to be able to live together in relative peace diverting the energy created by this repression into culture or civilization, embodying in activities such as art, politics, sport, and religion. Civilized people are therefore doomed to be somewhat discontented because civilization represents a level of repression. There you go. It's a big, big statement there. Then in the mid-20th century, Marx Marxist thinkers such as Hebert, Marcuse, and Wilhelm Reich seized upon this idea of psychological repression as the key to solving one of the great challenges in Marxist theory and how to enable the working class to develop this revolutionary self-consciousness in an attempt to free itself from all these external things that were holding everybody back should not be lost on many that the highly contentious critical race theory has much of Mer Mercuse in it at its core. So we end up with this idea that the structure and values of society were the result of sexual repression or racial repression designed to reinforce the authority of the dominant bourgeois class. Revolution must therefore have at its heart the dismantling of the bourgeois sexual morality and racist patriarchal power structures. For this to work, though, the psychological self must become central to the political, sexual, or racist struggle. The old system had to die to make this work properly. So those traditional values of family, religion, country, 
they were stopping in this new ideology they were stopping people from achieving their best self versus a father who says he works hard in a factory to take care of his family put food on the table and and get a better life for their kids so of course the bulk of the people in the real world they don't even care about Nietzsche Rousseau or any of the philosophers or psychologists but as much as the real world may mock and hate the intelligentsia and universities or the philosophers or the think tank members these ideas that they create they ultimately seep into the real world so the psychologized sexualized self has been fostered and reinforced by other cultural influences and patterns of social behavior the mainstream sexualization of entertainment has served to place sex and sexuality at the center of how people think of themselves and the political far left has picked up the connections of sexual liberation and political liberation even racial politics reconceptualized through the lens of critical race theory now place psychological categories at the center of all of its discussions sure it does start in the universities but ultimately it spreads to culture in very real very tangible ways the me 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 mindset of the modern world didn't just show up by magic it's been fostered over time in short this new psychological self is in the process of changing everything while its roots lie deep in history its full implications are still working themselves out and this helps explain so much of the fear the apprehension the anger and even even a feeling of being on the verge of anarchy that so many people feel as we see this overturning of traditional values and beliefs that previous generations regarded as being vital to a free society so the question becomes in the middle of this massive paradigm shift of traditional values values where it was noble good and honest to sometimes not put yourself first to subjugate yourself to your spouse your kids even your community and society for the betterment of society as a whole and <gasps> gasp you didn't feel slighted oppressed or belittled but in fact found joy happiness and purpose in giving of yourself for something bigger than yourself or is it better to take this new psychological approach where all systems are corrupt there is no objective truth or reality except what you think and feel and we're all slaves to some sort of oppression whether it might be sexual racial or institutional and the solution is only one be true to what you want when you want it at all costs and even and if anyone ever dare oppose your personal view well they must be oppressors of some sort and thus they don't need to be negotiated with but rather the barrier whatever it might be must be removed or ignored it would seem if we take out the drama of the extremes it would seem the best option at least to me would be to thread that needle of cooperation compromise understanding 
It is the less dramatic, many would say boring path, and I would say at least now, the bulk of society, thankfully, still reside here. In the boring road, I find the best path. The world is one where the individual does not need to be scared, intimidated, or held back from pursuing personal goals. I talk about this all the time on this podcast and with my students. While at the same time, still finding a balance of living in a world where one can defer those personal self-interests when required, when needed, for the betterment of family, of community, of country. Because those are still important. This world of negotiation requires a few things, though. Require critical thinking, open-mindedness, humility, empathy, listening, collaboration. These skills, sadly, are not evoked in society today. In the end, we all must find our own path. But make no mistake, society is shifting underneath us right now. And to understand this without flippantly dismissing the changing culture is a recipe for your own personal stress, anger, anxiety, fear. I don't have the answer for you in your life. I wish I did, but I don't. Instead, I think it's prudent for all of us to continue to thread the needle between reaching for those inner goals and passions and desires while at the same time doing our utmost to serve family, community, country. There is serious corruption in our world today. This is undeniable. So blindly following the selfless calls by the power structure to cling to their rhetoric and propaganda and their so-called values is almost naive suicide at this point. However... Falling to the extreme of the new postmodern psychological man mindset could lead you to become a narcissistic, know-it-all, angry, mean-spirited, my-way-or-the-highway type of person that will most likely end up uh, leaving that person down a path to being lonely, bitter, frustrated, and angry in life. Movements never straight line in one direction. Instead, they tend to rise, fall back, rise again. So will our society someday be dominated by this postmodern, narcissistic, psychological man? Who knows? I personally hope not. As if the majority of the country becomes self-absorbed, it's all about me mindset. Well, it's hard for any civilization to survive as it will ultimately tear itself apart from the inside. This all about me mindset is dangerous. If I return to the the Simone Biles story, so yes, I hope she feels better. Whatever psychological thing she was going through, I'm not denying that they didn't happen. And you know, that story, it's just about sports, just a gymnastics competition. But the team probably didn't achieve the true success, the best success that all that team, all those athletes, the hundreds if not thousands of hours they trained for that moment for that team to achieve all its goal probably didn't do it with her stepping aside to take care of herself that's secondary but what happens if an entire nation adopts the me first mentality well first we would see a government that can't operate properly 
we're already there with this, aren't we? We see this every day. We're taught where politics seems to all be about personal power or power for the political party. What if that bleeds its way into a military? A military mindset just cannot function at all and defend a country if everybody has this me first mentality. What about a community? What about if in your community today, everybody had the me first mentality, not helping those that need it the most, not being willing to help out, not being willing to follow the rules because, well, they don't feel it's in their best interest. You can just go on and on the danger, the intense danger of a me first mentality. And we're seeing it and we're seeing it in certain circles, ripping our country apart. In essence, we commit national suicide. We kill ourselves collectively from within, not from some external third party force, but we collectively kill ourselves from within when we focus just on ourselves from within. Hopefully, we can learn to find the proper balance in our lives individually and collectively as a nation. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I so hope you found value in the topic today. You know, every single day, if we can expand our perspective just a little bit on any range of topic, whether it be about our physical body, intellectual sharpness and perspective, or spiritual growth, then if we stay consistent in the long run, we all become more well-rounded people able to cope with all manner of events in life. I always appreciate you clicking like or follow to this podcast. Generally, a new episode is published every single week. And please, if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear about them. With that, I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week until we talk again.